Hey folks, this is Abe Shreve. Welcome to the Choose Difficult podcast. The path to success is not easy, and here we explore the stories of those who choose difficult and change the world they live in. Today's guest is a serial entrepreneur. He's been the chief strategist behind 13 different seven-figure launches. That's incredible. He's helped many venture-backed startups, celebrities, thought leaders, social media influencers, pro athletes, New York Times bestselling authors, all generate tens of millions of dollars. He is the founder and the CEO of Steno, which is a stealth artificial intelligence startup. And he's also the host of The Flow with Arman Asadi podcast. If you didn't guess, today's guest is Arman Asadi. One of the things that I want you to notice as we talk to Arman today is how introspective and thoughtful he is. Like so many incredible entrepreneurs, he is a person that examines his life and extracts the learning. He's been through a lot of things, but he allows all of the stresses and all the things he's been through to fuel this unquenchable fire for self-improvement that he has. As we were talking, I asked Armand, where did it come from? Where did this burning desire for self-improvement to push your limits, where did it come from? And I was not expecting the answer. He told me it started with great suffering. There seems to be this incredible correlation between the amount of suffering and pain and difficulty that a person goes through in life and the level of depth of experience that they have in their lives. For me, the suffering that took place in childhood had to do with two beautiful, incredible parents as individuals who, for whatever reason, fate led them to each other, but were terrible for each other. Absolutely terrible. And my reaction to that situation of constant arguments and trauma was to try to fix it, to try to get in the middle. So my parents got divorced when I was eight, and that wasn't the worst of it. The worst of it started after the divorce. So next thing you know, it's like I'd already been through all this stuff from zero to eight. I thought, okay, cool. That's the worst of it. Trauma, you know, oh my God, choose a parent to live with. All this stuff that comes up for kids came up, right? But it wasn't over after that. The battle between my parents continued. And so we lived with, my brother and I lived with our mom. And the problem and conflict between my mom and my dad was just constantly coming out on, on us. It was like, you know, it was almost like a war. The way I dealt with it was by regulating the emotions of, of my mom. Like for my mom to be happy was my job. And I had to regulate her emotions. It's funny, I've now learned all about this <laughs> through psychology and through therapy. Like what really was going on there? And then my brother's way of sort of dealing with it was, well, I took on the, the weight. And so he was just kind of like, I'm going to be over here. And I'm going to kind of add a comedic twist to all of this and be silly and not worry about it. Armand told me that he started working at the age of 14. In fact, he said he worked a full-time job and then another part-time job. He said it was a great distraction because things were so rough at home. And then at age 16, he decided he'd go live with his dad. When I was 16, I went from living with my mom to living with my dad. I just 
switched it. And my brother stayed with my mom and I went over to my, to my dad's. It was just like very sudden too. So it was just like, hey dad, <laughs> you, want, you want to raise me? And yeah, I'm here now. And that began a long and messy healing process. I mean, being 16 is already hard enough. But after some of the things that I'd seen and gone through, my dad began to see how to effectively share his wisdom in a way that would begin this healing process for me rather than just becoming something that I wasn't meant to be. And I definitely had full on tremendous level of depression for years and, and years. This is rough. I mean, if you've ever been around someone who struggles truly with depression, it is brutal. And no amount of think positive gets you up and out of it. Right? It's often a little more than that. Armand told me that years later he would get a therapist. He said he, he got a psychotherapist that specifically focused on the Carl Jung school of thought, one of the great fathers of, of modern psychology. And this therapist, while she was working with him, asked him one day, how have you kept yourself together? She said, you have been through a lot of trauma, more than a lot of people I work with. How have you done it? In my darkest moments, it's almost like the room is completely pitch black, but from some corner somewhere, there's a little string that someone seems to drop. And that string kind of floats its way down to me. And it's like a helping hand. And it's like, there's hope. Don't give up. There's a reason you're here. There's a reason you must persevere. There is a plan for your life. That's what it's felt like. It's beyond myself. And I'm not a religious person, but I am a deeply spiritual person. And I believe that whatever you want to call that, my higher self, whatever you want to call that, God, even in the darkest times has been there to say, it's, it's worth it. Like there's a plan here. There is a back to my original kind of point. This suffering, it has a purpose. It is so that you can taste the sweetness of life and also so that you can, I mean, wow, I just realized as I'm talking, like, like look at what I'm sharing. I, I could never say these things. I could never sit here and say what I'm saying right now if I hadn't gone through what I've gone through so that when somebody's listening to this, they're like, whoa, I'm not the only one. There is a reason for my existence. There's a reason to keep going. There's a reason to keep trying. I really love this realization. In fact, you can hear Armand had like an epiphany moment here. And I feel like he is someone that, that often has these because while he's speaking, he'll stop and, and consider lessons learned and learn from himself kind of real time. But this idea that I've gone through horrible things and I've reached deep inside figure out who I am and what I can do and how I can come out of this and really make an impact in the world. And part of the reason I've gone through these difficult times is so that I can be a beacon of hope and an example to those who are also going through difficult times. That's higher purpose. That's a really strong why that could bring a person through the difficulty of their challenges. In fact, that's what causes a person like Armand to create a podcast like Flow with Armand Asadi. I had the blessing of being a guest on his podcast, and we've included in the show notes a link to that episode. Today, we have the opportunity to crack Armand completely wide open, look at his life. 
Well, if you want to go listen to that other episode, you'll hear some more of the conversation, but I'm the one on the laboratory table. Armand said he went to junior college, and he went to junior college because he really wanted to go to San Diego State University, but didn't have the grades to get in, so he thought he'd transfer. He said he did okay, but he did well enough to get into San Diego State. Academically, I was like, okay. In real life, I'm actually intelligent. <laughs> but academically, I didn't care. And the only time I would get an A plus was when I really cared because I was pouring myself into things I actually cared about. So it wasn't until I got into San Diego State where I academically shined. And wow, did I shine. Because the environment was very Socratic, discussion-based. There was more power to the, to the student and the individual to self-direct their learning. I hated being told how to learn, what to learn. I've always known that the, the education system is broken that just rote memory retention is like the stupidest thing that we could ever teach kids to do. It's the biggest waste of time in the world. So once I got in, I was in heaven. I loved college. So I originally started as a business management major. And then in my last year, they introduced this entrepreneurship major. And I was like, oh, I want to do that. And they're like, well, that's going to be another, you know, seven classes or whatever. I was like, whatever. I just want that because they were like, why? You want your degree to say, business entrepreneurship? I said, no, no, no. I want those classes. I want those classes. I want to meet those people. So I'm really glad I did that. One of my favorite classes I've ever taken, shout out to my professor, Professor Mustine, international entrepreneurship, international business. Coolest class I've ever taken in my life. Totally, totally made me a better, wiser, stronger person. So yeah, I, I loved college. When Armand told me this part of his story, I couldn't help but think of another great entrepreneur that broke out of the structure of structured learning so that he could actually attend classes that he wanted to. I'm referring to Steve Jobs. Of course, he's the founder of Apple, but he tells in his biography, he tells the story that he dropped out of school and was then free to audit classes that were truly interesting to them, one of which was a calligraphy class. And he talked about how learning that beautiful art really had a deep influence on the design portion of Apple. What Armand is really telling us is that when the learning is purposeful for him, when he's interested in it, when he feels like it is a path he has selected, not that has been selected for him, he flourishes. Many of us grew up with parents that said, just get a college education. You get a great college education, you get a great job, that's all you need. But that isn't really the world that we live in now. And Armand has had this experience where, where so many people are able to see their parents as the, these great figureheads, these, these great leaders in their lives, and, and parents can have incredible influence on the direction that children choose to take. But Armand was forced to look in the mirror and figure out his own direction based on the dysfunction of his living environment growing up. Isn't it amazing how much like one sentence from somebody who we see as this heroic figure, parents, teachers, adults, when you're a child are very omnipotent. They're amazing and they have so much power over you. So one little power over you to accelerate and motivate you and create a better sense of being, of how you see yourself or the power to destroy you. Armand said that he had to take on the role of director for his life. 
And at the age of 16, he found something that would help him leave the victim environment for good. He even jokes about it a little bit. There was a moment that I left my identity of suffering and being a victim behind. I think I was around 16, 17 years old. It's going to sound uh, ridiculous because at this point, it's kind of almost like a comedic thing in the world of self-development. But my dad brought home a DVD and it was burned. <laughs> for, for a lot of the young people out there, they're like, what the hell is a burned CD? It was a burned CD. It wasn't even the original copy. And uh, he goes, my friend told me we should watch this. He was introducing me to something, to something good in a very easy, approachable way. Like, oh, my friend said we should check this out. It was uh, a DVD and he popped it in and it was called The Secret. And I was like, The Secret, okay. I sat there and I watched that movie. And I believe that our lives have many moments that can create a shift in consciousness and change our path. And for me, that moment was the end of being a victim. That's what created and sparked my developmental journey, my evolution, my, my process. So when people hate on that movie or that book, I'm like, I get it, but like actually, it changed the lives of many people for the better. If you know what Armand's talking about, if you know that burned DVD, The Secret, many of us were handed that. Some in dark alleys, others, <laughs> others right at our house. Then you either laughed or identified with him. But regardless of how you feel about that material, it really created a turning point for Armand. Later after college, he would move to New York City and work for 3M, huge company. And then he'd be recruited back to the San Francisco area to work for a company called Google. But there was an inner voice calling Armand's number. Nothing creepy and nothing mystic. It was the entrepreneurial spirit. He knew there was something big for him to do, and it wasn't going to be done at a huge company. I left Google, and my goal was to just be completely independent. I started a blog, sort of documenting my journey, and my first offer, my first revenue stream was a course. And I created a course on how to save time with your email. It was called Effortless Email. And I basically saw a problem in the market where people were completely absorbed in spending way too much time on their email. And I came up with a system to help professionals better organize themselves and get to inbox zero. And it eventually became successful. But the journey in the beginning was an absolute mess. I learned so, I mean, of course, I'm still learning. I still make mistakes. But some of the mistakes that I made led me to even discover copywriting, digital marketing, conversion rate optimization. I mean, some of the things that today for me are like, you know, whatever, they're built into me. But the first step into that world was crazy. It would take me days to record one video. And now I can, I'll do it right before we jump on, do this interview, I'll do another one after, like, you know, create content. Like it's that easy for me now. I want you to notice that he has just told us that it would take him forever to make a video. Now he's really fast at it. There was a while there where it was really hard, mentally taxing, took him a while. Most things we're good at were preceded by a season with which we weren't good at it. And failure to launch because it's hard holds entrepreneurs completely hostage. 
he just kind of leaned into this idea that my whole life has been challenging. There's been a lot of struggles, but I have failed my way forward with self-awareness, introspection, and hard work and study. Failing forward and accidental stumbling blocks and along the way, having an awareness of what do I do best? The question I've always been asking myself and the thing that I've been obsessed with is, who am I and what do I do best? And then I would love to take that process of what I've uncovered and simplify it for other people. Because I think that that's one of the most important fundamental questions a person asks themselves in life, but especially as an entrepreneur. And so I continued learning about myself and discovered and uncovered my strengths. And one of the things I found was I was very good at marketing. I was very good at writing and didn't even know of the concept called copywriting and realized that the skill that could guarantee success more than anything else for me, maybe outside of media buying on Facebook and Instagram and spending money on ads was copywriting. I didn't need a budget. I didn't need anything. I needed my brain and some words and a product to sell. And first I realized that by doing it for myself, by turning my course into a success because I was like, oh, product market fit. It's not that they want to get better at email. It's that they want to save time. Okay, how do I position this product to be, they can save eight hours a week of their time by doing X, Y, and Z, and I'll show them how, and I'll display it, and I'll show results, and then I'll get a case study. And so I just started learning all this stuff accidentally. But fast forward, I mean, what happened was I've been very blessed to have worked with some of the great thought leaders, New York Times bestselling authors, organizations, startups, Silicon Valley, helping them uh, as a consultant, essentially, with growth, marketing, and copywriting. And I come in, to these product launches and accelerate them to a place that maybe they maybe they wouldn't have gone before with some very creative ideas around positioning and uh, the right branding and the right copy. So I've done that over and over and over again. Eventually got to a point where I really wanted to execute on this idea of how do I help people discover who they are and uncover what they do best using psychology and science, not just ideas and elusive concepts, you know, I wanted to make it really tangible and measurable. And that's what led to the creation of my company, Project Evo. And the core value ultimately came down to, to focus and flow. The thing that we ultimately help people do at Project Evo is, you know, get into flow. And I've been obsessed with flow since the beginning. So that's why I decided to build a company. Armand's podcast is called Flow. You, we've just heard him talk about flow, the importance of that. And there is an incredible book called Flow by one of the fathers of the positive psychology movement, Mihai Csikszentmihalyi. I asked him, did you name it after him and after that work? And he said, absolutely. One of the amazing things about flow is that this incredible researcher conducted this study where he was in search of the optimal life. He handed these pagers out to these study subjects all over the world. And they had certain parameters. When they received a page, they would stop and record certain things. And what he discovered is that there were certain variables. There were certain components that were ex that existed in those that measured the greatest level of optimal life, like happiness. One of them was 
that they had a unique challenge. And the other is that they had a reasonable plan to overcome the unique challenge. Those were two of the things that really stood out to me. I read that book. Those are two of the things that stood out in terms of what are the components that lead to an optimal life experience. I asked Armand, how do you define flow? I define it as the optimal experience of being. And it's so much deeper than just feeling your best, doing your best work. I think it's so much deeper than that. I think it's a, actually, it's a spiritual path of living. And I think Mihai touches on this, but some of the modern leaders don't. They're very focused on the outcome and the output and the flow and the dopamine and the chemicals and the science. And I love that. But I think that ultimately what we experience when we experience flow is creativity and allowing work and our best version of ourselves to come through us, getting out of our own way. And when you tap into that zone, where the prefrontal cortex does slow down or indeed shut off. And these efforts that are, you're putting yourself in situations where there's a little bit of a challenge, it's enough of a challenge, and all of a sudden something comes out of you where it's almost like there's no mistake. You couldn't make a mistake even if you tried. And so for me, it often happens with speaking, it happens with writing, and uh, it can happen in a sport as well, which is where a lot of people study flow. But to me, it's the optimal experience of being. Life is a messy roller coaster of getting in and out of flow for me. And flow follows focus. And so things like the one thing and identifying how to starve my distractions and really focus have been pivotal in my journey because they allow me to get into flow. I love the way Armand described that. Starve my distractions. Life is a constant struggle to find and get into flow. I really identify with that. I asked Armand, what keeps people from getting into flow? And he told me that part of the challenge we're facing today is we have an overload of information. I mean, think about what we look at on a daily basis, just on our phone. You know, if we could go back in time to when it was just books and magazines, if you walked around every day holding the amount of information you would read, if it existed in books and magazines, how much stuff would you carry? It's a ton of info and it is a lot of distraction. You know, I think some people in this day and age are kind of like, they're, they're kind of like, they're kind of information whores. They're, they're just taking in so much. And I don't know if it's being properly integrated. And there's a enjoyment factor that comes with learning that I think is beautiful. But my process is different. My process is one in which I literally want to integrate and indoctrinate myself with the views and ideas of principles that I think are important to a life well lived. Ultimately, that's what I'm here to do. And I believe that's the responsibility of every human being if they so choose to, to take on that responsibility, which most people avoid any level of responsibility. I think that my responsibility is to evolve myself to make the unconscious parts of myself conscious. And so generally that comes down to a lot of psychology and philosophy. We have been given kind of an unfettered, unrestricted backstage pass to Armand's thinking, his journey, the way he looks at his experience, the struggles he's been through. And if we're not careful, we'll forget that this guy has had many, many successful seven-figure launches in business. Like, I, I was blown away when we actually just started talking 
business. So I asked Armand, where do you see people making mistakes? Where do people stand in their own way? The biggest thing I see for founders, entrepreneurs, executives, that they fail to accept about the role that they've undertaken as, as that is you need to be willing to do extremely difficult things. This is where I have to make sure I keep my language clean. <laughs> There's a lot of eating glass as a founder, as an entrepreneur. If you don't get comfortable staring into the abyss and eating glass, as Elon Musk once said, you're gonna be miserable because you're not accepting the condition of the life that you've signed up for. I used to say, I wake up in the morning and I eat poop for breakfast. Sounds so ridiculous, sounds so ridiculous, I know. But that created an acceptance and a comfort with the state of things that were gonna come at me as an executive, as a CEO, every morning. The number of things, Armand, um, I don't know how to tell you this, but we made a mistake on our shipping label and that's gonna cost us $125,000 because we need all the product removed from the warehouse and we need to get everything corrected and we need manual labor to pay for it and we need new labels and the list goes on. And I'm like, speechless, what do I do? How do I deal with this? And so unless you become at one, at peace with eating glass or poop or whatever you wanna call it, cause it's not good. There's no way to look at that and be like, this is good. You know, there's no way. It could kill your business. But by accepting, I found that I could move more quickly. Why sit there and cry about it? Accept, this just happened. Cool, make a decision. Now, what is required for the entrepreneur going forward in general? I think that people avoid the difficult things too much. Have the conversation you need to have. Have the difficult, you know, the crucial conversation you need to have. Make the decision you need to make. You know, place the bet. I think a lot of what also, you know, I see is like, there's too many people focused on, there's two different types of entrepreneurs. There's the one that's very growth oriented and very progressive and is spending in order to grow. And then there's the entrepreneur that's very conservative, very methodical, very process driven. You kind of have to be both unless you have a partner that can really balance you. Because one of the most important things to do with capital is to mitigate risk. So many people get capital externally or even from their own pocket, fine, but they get this capital and then they spend it and they say, I know how I'm gonna get a return, I'm gonna get it here, I'm gonna get it here. But guess what, if you have a gap in your business, or in the market that could crush you, it doesn't matter how much money you spend, you gotta actually spend money on mitigating risk. How can you guarantee success? And how do you build a business that's sustainable? A friend of mine says something that I love, he says, my goal is to build a business that lasts forever. Why, what does that mean? If you build a business, if your North Star is to build a business that lasts forever, all of your actions today and in the future are designed to mitigate risk, to create sustainability, to have growth, because if you don't have growth, the business is dying, but because you wanna ensure a place in the market, and if a business lasts forever, well, hey, the life cycle, <laughs> it's not five years just because you develop some app. You know, There's more going on. You gotta continually work backwards from that. One of the benefits of being the host of the Choose Difficult podcast is I get to talk to the most amazing people and I actually lost myself a little bit in this conversation with Armand because I found it so fascinating. We covered so many different topics and you're hearing maybe a quarter of what we talked about. You know, I, maybe I need to find a way to put the rest of that together. 
I hope you learned as much as I did, and I hope that you take from Armand this desire to look in, to catalog learning, to understand flow, what leads to an optimal life, and how do we build a business that we think will last forever? I think there were so many incredible insights and nuggets in here. Now your job is to stop being the listener and make yourself a participant in this game. Don't just think choose difficult, live that way. And identify those areas of your life where you could use a little more self-awareness or you could start searching for flow or you could start starving the distractions that take you away from your priorities. After all, that's what Armand has done and he's achieving incredible things. Well, there you have it, folks. I hope you've enjoyed our time together. If you're a business leader and you'd like to know what hiring a coach would look like for you and your organization, please head over to mymapscoach.com and let's set up a meeting. And if you enjoyed this episode, please consider subscribing. Leave us an honest review. We read every freaking one of them. Everyone. They really help us in our mission to help others. I hope you've enjoyed our time together, and I hope you'll join me next time as we continue to explore the stories of extraordinary individuals who choose difficult.